It is really wonderful to see you all here today. Um, we're starting a new teaching series as we head towards Easter, looking at uh, the encounters, the transformational encounters that people had with Jesus. And um, when we think about encounters, one of my favorite actually comes from the business world. It's the story of Steve Jobs trying to recruit John Scully to come and give leadership at Apple Computers. Uh, John Scully had been uh, kind of one of the leaders at Pepsi, um, had been in particular very involved in helping them come up with all kinds of new creative advertising, and uh, really had put Pepsi uh, on, on the map. Steve Jobs at the same time was working with Apple Computers. It was very new, and uh, he was trying to bring someone in who kind of give day-to-day -day leadership of Apple Computers so Steve could do what he did best, which is be creative, invent all kinds of things which are probably sitting on your computer or desktop at home or in your pocket right now. So Steve Jobs hired a headhunter to go and to approach John Scully, and, and this headhunter went and first time approached him. Um, there was a great salary offer, some wonderful stock options, and at the end, Scully said, no. It was almost as if he had Pepsi in his veins. He'd been a lifelong employee and really was being looked at as to be the top person in that corporation. Well, Steve Jobs was not to be uh, kind of quieted easily, and so he came back again. In fact, the two of them had an opportunity to meet while Scully was in the city at the same time. And so after their meeting, both Scully and Steve Jobs went away thinking, man, I really enjoyed the other person's company. They're a lot like me, and we have a lot in common. But still, Scully said no. Three, four more times, Jobs approaches Scully through different menu uh, options, increasing the salary price each time for him, and every time he says no. So finally, Steve Jobs flies to New York City, and he gets right in front of Scully's face and gives him his last-ditch appeal, to which Scully says no. And so Jobs then gives what is oftentimes one of the great quotes in business world. He says this to him. He said, would you like to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water, or would you like to have the opportunity to change the world? Scully went home that night, and that question just sat in his belly and just gnawed away at him until eventually he called Jobs and said, I'm in. He went on to become the CEO, and Apple just exploded after that. But it was one of those transformational encounters. And when we think about transformational encounters, we think of really two things. Number one, it's personal. We have an encounter with someone, and it speaks directly to us. It kind of stirs us up on the insides. It speaks to us personally. And that maybe even there's some things going on in our life that the other person wouldn't even know about. But in that encounter, it speaks to our very, very guts. And the second is, it's transformational. In other words, there's a change that takes place. This is not just an encounter and we think, oh, that was nice, and we go on doing what we'd always done. No, there's a transformation that takes place. We make a distinct change in our life, in the trajectory and the direction of our life because of that one encounter. Now, if you're a Christian today, you've had this experience whether it was a friend that read you the Bible, or maybe you came to youth group, or maybe you were in a service, or someone gave you some literature to read, and you had a personal encounter with Jesus. You sensed he was speaking to you, and you felt things going on on the inside of you, like strings were being pulled, or something was going on in your own heart, and it was personal to you. It was like God was speaking to the very places in you that maybe other people didn't even know about. And you just sense that, you know, I was created to have a relationship with God. 
Um, but that relationship's not possible because of my sin, because of my brokenness, and because basically throughout my whole life to this point, I have told God I'm not interested in you being leader of my life. I'm going to do my own thing. But now in this moment, you welcome him into your life. And it changes the trajectory of your life. It changes you. Not just spiritually and not just where you go someday when you die, but also here and now. It changes the person that you are becoming. Well, today we're going to look at a story of a transformational encounter because just like you, there's all kinds of other people who had transformational encounters with the person of Jesus while he was here on earth, and they're captured in the four biographies of Jesus. So I invite you today to turn to Mark chapter 10, and we're going to start reading at verse 46, and we're going to be looking today at the story of Bartimaeus, one of my favorite, favorite stories. Mark chapter 10, verse 46. If you're using the Bible in the seat in front of you, it's on page 1572. If you're at home, we invite you to look it up as well. I look it up on your phone also. So I'm going to read this and just kind of stop, make some comments, and then we'll kind of work through the story <clears throat> together. John chapter, or Mark chapter 10, verse 46 says this. Then they came to Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city... A blind man, Bartimaeus, that is Bartimaeus, or son of Timaeus, was sitting by the side of the road begging. Now, this is an action story. Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd of people had been in Jericho, but they're on their way to Jerusalem. Now, if you're familiar with the gospel stories, you know that this story takes place just before Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the events of Easter week. And so this is kind of him leaving Jericho, heading towards Jerusalem. People are going to be heading there for Passover. There's lots of people. There's lots of animals. There's lots of noise. And this is a, there's lots of energy in this group of people. And there is Bartimaeus sitting by the side of the road begging. And in the ancient world, without things like social assistance like we have here today, if you were unable to work like Bartimaeus because he was blind and you were poor, your system to looking after yourself was going to the sides of the road as people came in and out of town and asking for help, asking for money. And then people would give you money as they went by. So here is Bartimaeus, but he's stuck. He's not going anywhere. Jesus and his disciples in this large crowd of people, Mark says, they're on their way. But Bartimaeus, he can't see them but he can hear them. He heard them get closer. He heard the noise all around him. And now they're moving by him and he hears them getting further and further away from him. And he senses like his opportunity to do something or to say something is coming to an end. If Bartimaeus wants to get Jesus' attention, he has to act now because otherwise he's going to be left behind. You ever been left behind? Maybe as this pandemic continues going on or ending or whatever it's doing, you feel left behind. Other people are back at restaurants and gyms and they're traveling all over the place and you're kind of feeling a little bit stuck where you are and feeling like everybody else's life is going forward, but I'm kind of stuck here. Maybe in life you feel left behind. Everybody else, their career is blooming and everything else is going right for them. They're taking off. They're, they're doing all kinds of things. They've got great hobbies, but you, you feel a little bit stuck where you are. Or maybe even in faith. Maybe as you think about a series about people having personal encounters with Jesus, you think, boy, 
It's been a long time since I have sensed that God has spoken to me. It's been a long time, and I felt a little bit left behind at different times in my life. So Bartimaeus was stuck. And he wasn't stuck because he didn't want to travel. He wasn't stuck because he didn't have the gumption or he was lazy. He was stuck because his life circumstances kept him where he was. Being blind meant he could not work, which meant he was poor, which meant he was dependent on being there each and every day in order to beg, in order to get enough money to survive. And as I imagine Bartimaeus, just picture him on the side of the road, and maybe you can picture people that you've seen as you've traveled to big cities or even, even around our city, sitting on the side of the road looking for help. He just kind of captures the impact of sin and brokenness on human life. He kind of becomes a billboard for all that can go wrong in someone's life. Have you ever just looked at someone, and not out of judgment or criticism at all, but just said, boy, life has not been fair to that person. Look, we all have troubles, but they are not distributed equally amongst people's lives. You and I, we all know people, and we just think, man, they have had so many things in their life that have been challenging and difficult. Maybe it's health. Their physical bodies are just a billboard for all that could go wrong with their health. And when your health is not well, it affects so many other aspects of your life. Maybe it's relationships that for whatever reason... The ability to have a a healthy relationship, whether it's with parents, with siblings, with a spouse, with kids, just seems beyond. And so everything in life is complicated. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 to 23, kind of captures this image, if you will. Paul wrote this, We know that the whole creation, humans, nature, everything, has been groaning in labor pains until now. There's a sense of it's just aching under the weight of sin and brokenness. It's crying out. And not only creation, but you and I, us, believers, non-believers, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly, waiting for adoption, for redemption, for God to put things back together again, for the redemption of our bodies. And you know people, and their physical body, their story of their life is that they are just kind of groaning under the weight of sin and brokenness. Now, Bartimaeus had been groaning inwardly, but in this passage, he's about to groan outwardly. Let's read in verse 47. He says, it says this, when he heard, that is Bartimaeus, it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, I won't scream into the microphone, but it was much less uh, nice than that. Now, before we worshipped here, we used to worship down at our other facility down on Main Street. And that, main, that facility had a, a sanctuary space that was built early 1900s. And it kind of reflected the worship style in the early 1900s, which was a bit more formal. And was, if you've ever walked in there, you've seen the oak pews. You'd picture the uh, New York Times font, one faith, one Lord, one baptism across the top. You picture the pipe organ right in the center, the stained glass windows. It had a certain aura to it. And in those kind of spaces, they have unspoken messages about how it is that you're supposed to behave when you go into that space. And the unspoken message in a more formal worship environment is this. Once you take a seat, you do not get up. When you come into church and you have a seat, you are there until the end of the service. If you have to go to the bathroom, too bad. 
If you get hungry, too bad. If you get a cough, heaven forbid, then you will suffocate it with everything that you have until your eyes are watering and your lungs are about ready to explode. Some of you grew up in a worship environment like this and you remember these days. As our congregation diversified and we had more people attending services who did not grow up going to church and did not know about these unspoken rules, there were some really interesting moments. I remember in particular uh, one young gentleman who started attending the service. And he was so happy to be there. And he would come on in and say hi to everybody. And he liked to sit right down front. And he would come right in and he would sit right down front, smiling at everybody and just kind of glad to be there. But as would happen sometimes in the middle of the service, our bladder tells us it's full. Well, he didn't know about these unspoken rules, so he would get up and he would walk right down the middle aisle, right across the back, up the stairs, out into the foyer and go to the bathroom and come on back right in the middle of the service and come right back down front and sit there again. Maybe two, maybe three times a service. And sometimes, as is apt to happen, we get hungry. And on one occasion, I remember, he got up from his seat, he walked through the back, went across the back of the sanctuary, went out the front doors. Two minutes later, he'd gone to the Chuck's Corner store, and he was hungry. Hmm. For those of you watching at home, they're all dressed. I think I took too many. And as he came down front, crinkling that bag of chips, munching away, oblivious to these unspoken rules that he was not aware of, you could just sense in the room, this was not going to go over well. Now, I thought it was awesome because I was not preaching that Sunday. And so it didn't really matter to me how much of a racket that he made. But if you were there, and maybe even as I tell that story, you just feel uncomfortable. You're like, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. If you felt that, then you know exactly what the disciples are feeling in this next verse. Let's read it together, verse 48. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. So here's Bartimaeus, kind of a billboard for the impact of sin and brokenness on a human life. For whatever reason, he hears something about this Jesus of Nazareth. He knows he's coming by. He's feeling left behind, so he hollers out to him to get his attention. And he gets shushed. He gets told to be quiet. He gets the stink eye. And as I read this passage, I recognize in myself that I have been that person on occasion as well. Being disdainful, treating somebody like they're a nuisance because they were interrupting something that we had planned or that we had been doing. Bartimus was inappropriate, yes. Disrespectful, maybe. Way too loud and repetitive, absolutely. But the disciples misunderstood what was going on in that moment. The Bartimaeus' outburst, his hollering, his yelling to Jesus wasn't a nuisance. It was a cry for help. It was actually a prayer. It was a prayer that this groaning that had been building up in his heart and his life, 
got expressed in his hollering to Jesus. Now, he uses this phrase, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Literally, move your heart towards me. And it makes me wonder, what had Bartimaeus heard about Jesus? What were the stories that were being tossed back and forth as he sat there on the side of the road with the other people who were also begging? And it must have been something about the extent that this Jesus, if you can get his attention, he will have mercy on you. You know, I think right now as Christians, um, we need to listen carefully to what's going on in our time. We need to listen to the voices of the people all around us who I think their inner groanings, their weariness, their frustration, their exhaustion, their uncertainty, their angst is getting expressed in all kinds of ways all around us. I think the temptation is to say, well, what they just said wouldn't sound very good in church, so we're, not, we're going to ignore it. Or it was too harsh, or we don't like their lifestyle, or we don't agree with everything that they say, and yet we miss what's really going on right now, that there are a lot of people crying out for help. There are a lot of people for whom the weight of sin and brokenness on their life, and in particular over these last two years, is doing them in, and they're crying out for help. And our jobs as disciples, as, as the church, is to be a billboard for the compassion and mercy of God, not to shush, not to ignore not to treat somebody like they're a nuisance or a bother, but to listen, to engage, and to give voice to their cry that, God, would you move towards me? I think if we asked Bartimaeus what message they had received from the disciples, he would have used the words of John Allen Turner who wrote, it's hard to convince people that a God they can't see loves them when a church they can see doesn't like them or ignores them or tries to shush them. And I think right now we have an incredible opportunity as God's people in this time to be a billboard for the compassion and mercy of God towards people whose lives are tired and exhausted and worn out. Let's keep reading. Mark 10, starting at verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called him, they called to the blind man, cheer up, on your feet, he's calling you. <laughs> Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said, your faith your trust in me, your confidence in my ability to give you your sight back has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Now I find this an interesting question. That Jesus would ask Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? It might have seemed obvious to us. But Bartimaeus has called him the son of David. He's acknowledged that Jesus is not just another teacher, that there's something special about him. And Jesus wants to know, if you stand before the son of David, what are you going to ask me for? Coffee money? A new jacket? Or will you ask me for something that only the son of David can provide? And Bartimaeus says, I want to see I was born blind into this broken world. I had one life to live, and I'm going to live my life blind. I have one life to my, live, and I'm going to end, spend my whole life in poverty. 
I have dreams and intelligence, but people treat me like I'm stupid because I'm poor. Religious people treat me like a nuisance. But Jesus, I believe that you have mercy for people like me. And in this moment, Bartimaeus is a transformational encounter. Jesus transforms him by giving him his sight back. And when Jesus restores Bartimaeus' vision, it's not just a nice thing that he's doing. He's unleashing the weight of the kingdom of God into Bartimaeus' life. That in Bartimaeus, we see as it would be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus breaks the curse and he restores him to his vision. I want us to close this morning by thinking about, and we'll invite the team to come back up. This image of Bartimaeus standing before Jesus and Jesus asking him, what do you want me to do for you? I want you to put yourself in Bartimaeus' shoes today. Imagine you're standing before Jesus and he asks you the question, what do you want me to do for you? What would you say? What are the inner groanings in your heart? Where has the weight of sin and brokenness most touched your life right now? Where are the pressure points, the pain points that you say, oh, Jesus, this is the thing, this is the area, this is the relationship, this is the addiction. God, this is the space I'm in. And if only you would speak and move in my life. Let's pray together. Lord, this morning, we thank you that you want to meet with us. God, that it is your heart's desire to meet us face to face, and that you extend this incredible offer. What would, I, what would you ask that I do for you? And Lord, today, maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe today we've been carrying around something too long and we just need to say, God, I'm giving this over to you and I need you to know that it's forgiven. Lord, maybe it's a relationship that is stuck or broken. And God, we just need you to soften hearts and to move in this area. And Lord, today, maybe it's just our relationship with you. We need to be reminded today that you see us. You hear the groanings in our hearts And God, you have moved towards us in mercy.